Hey church, I am so excited for today. We have coming back to Generation Church, now speaking for the second time, Pastor Josh Howerton from the Bridge Church in Tennessee. This church is truly incredible. It's growing like crazy. Uh, they just opened another campus that's been blowing up. And Pastor Josh and his wife, Jana, are honestly like heroes to me. They're some of my favorite people in the world. I just talk to Pastor Josh all the time throughout the week. We text and we talk about what God is doing in our churches. So I was so happy that he would come back and speak to you again and bring the word of God. I know that he brings the word of God in an effective way and he has great insight into what God is speaking through the scripture. So he's gonna bless you today. If you'll open up your hearts, if you'll be ready to receive from the Lord today, God's gonna speak to your life. So let's do this. Let's welcome Pastor Josh to the stage, Generation Church style, and make some noise. Come on, let's clap. Awesome, man. Hey, Generation Church, dude, it is so good to be back with you guys. And uh, hey, uh, both here and at Ahwatukee, let me just introduce myself. Uh, my name is Josh Howerton. I'm the pastor of a church called The Bridge in Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, man, it's good to, good to be with you guys. But here's who I also am. I am a huge long distance fanboy of Pastor Ryan Visconti and Generation Church. That's who I am. So I love this place. Uh, this was, in fact, my fanboyness, it creeped into my life. Um, in a unique way recently. Um, my last birthday, I asked, I asked my wife, Janet, I've been walking around with this backpack that like a 12-year-old would carry for like five years. And so I was just like, hey, Jana, um, here's what I want. I, I want you to get me the finest, the nicest, the highest quality, the best that money can buy. Uh, you know, a leather carrying case for, uh, for my uh, laptop and that kind of thing. So she went and she got it. She spent like 300 bucks on this, this leather laptop carrying case. And I got it back and I was so excited and then uh, I opened up the flap, and here, here's what the inside, the label said. It was a Visconti. It was a Visconti. So listen, let me just say this. If you want the finest, if you want the best looking, if you want the top quality, Ryan Visconti. That's what you need. Amen? Amen. Hey, in, in all seriousness, let me just do this. If you guys didn't know this... Um, Man, uh, what's going on in my church is, uh, is similar to some stuff that's happening in your church. And what I know is that as a pastor, um, there, it, there's a place of loneliness and insecurity um, to being a pastor where you can see God doing all these things wonderful on the outside, um, but you can wonder on the inside, like, man, what do these people really think about me? Um, and so, man, um, I have fallen in love with your pastor and his wife, uh, Amy. And so could you guys do this? They're going to watch this video. Could you do this? Could we all right now stand our feet and show them exactly what we think about them? Pastor Ryan and Amy Visconti, we love you. We love you, love you, love you, uh, love you so much. You will, neither of you will ever know how much you've meant to me in our lives. And thank you, thank you, thank you. All right. Generation Church, do this. Uh, touch somebody on your way down and tell them the greatest compliment you can ever give somebody. Touch them and say, you look like you've lost weight. Do it right now. You look like you've lost weight. Do that right now. And uh, man, you know, if, if you're new to this church, just welcome. You pick the right church. This is a church where it is okay not to be okay. And you're going to find Jesus Christ is a friend of sinners. And, uh, and man, so you have stumbled into the right place. And it's an honor to be with you, Pastor Ryan and Amy Visconti. They're going to be back really soon. They are on a much-deserved vacation. And let me just say, I'm praying that it's a Pentecostal vacation, lots of tongues and the laying on of hands. Amen? <laughs> Amen. And so, man, we'll, just, we'll do that. And, uh, man, let me do this. Uh, let me get into uh, the Word today. And here, here's what I want to do. When I get into preaching this message, you may be like, man, 
why would a pastor traveling in from out of town preach a message on this topic? Well, here's why. Um, recently, I brought this, uh, this word to my church. And uh, within a week, what I realized was it, it was the number one, it was the most downloaded sermon in Bridge History. And the response uh, was, was uh, really powerful. And there's a reason for that. You'll see, you'll see why here in just a second. But what I found was, is that people from all over the place and people with totally different spiritual backgrounds that they all said, that was the word that I needed. And, and here's why they said that, because here's, here's what I figured out. There are a lot of differences among the people of God. Um, Jewish people do not recognize Jesus as Messiah. Um, Protestant people do not recognize the Pope as an authority. Baptist people do not recognize each other in the liquor store. <clears throat> and so they, so is, I, I grew up Baptist. I, I grew up Baptist, I'm allowed to say that. And so, but here's what I figured out. I said, man, no matter what your spiritual background is, um, every Christian you will ever meet struggles with worry and fear and anxiety. Um, in fact, this is really interesting to me, man. If you get into the scriptures, a little pop quiz for you Bible scholars, did you know that the number one most common command in the Bible is not you shall not commit adultery, it's not you shall not kill, it's not even love your neighbor. The number one most common command in the Bible is do not fear. That's the number one. Do you know why that is? God made it the number one command in the Bible because he knew it would be the number one issue in your heart. And if you look out at, uh, in our culture, in our nation, what you're going to notice is, is God was right. Um, this is really interesting. Did you guys know that uh, prescription medication to help people with anxiety issues is the number one prescribed medication in America? $55 billion per year are spent on medication to help people alleviate uh, anxiety issues in their life. I'll give you another one. This was fascinating to me. Um, the CDC, Center, Center for Disease Control, that I read a study a couple weeks ago. They estimated that, listen, this is insane, that up to 90% of doctor's visits can be attributed to a stress-related illness. 90%. 90%. Now listen, this is not just something that can kill you emotionally. It's not just something that can kill you physically. It can kill you spiritually. Um, did you know this? Think, think back in your Bible. Remember, remember that it was fear that kept the children of Israel from crossing the Jordan River to go into the promised land. And here's what I've noticed just being a pastor is that there are, listen, there are promised lands all over this room that you are not walking into. Why? Because you're being held back by fear, worry, anxiety. And so what we want to do today is we just want to take a blowtorch to this thing. Uh, that's, that's what the scriptures want to do today. So if you could do this real quick, just help me out. Okay, I know people sometimes hate this. Here and at Ahwatukee, need your help there too. Everybody help me out. If you, group therapy right now, if you have ever had a season of your life that was affected by fear, worry, or anxiety, can you raise your hand? Do it right now, right now, okay? Everybody look around. Keep them up, look around. Keep them up, look around. Now keep them up and look at me. Stop it. <laughs> Let's close in prayer. Right now. Man, well, honestly, wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be awesome if it was like genuinely that easy just to like, come in, you know, we're done. But it's not like that, is it? It, it sticks, it stays. And so what I want to do is get into the scriptures and to help us live in the freedom that's been purchased for us uh, by just uh, by having this exploded out of our hearts. So if you've got your Bibles, head over to Philippians 4. Philippians chapter 4 is going to be today. And uh, let me just give a little context to this passage um, that, that lends it some weight. Philippians was written by a guy named Paul. Paul wrote uh, more books of the Bible than any other inspired author um, that God used to write the Bible. Now, here's what's so interesting about the book of Philippians to me, and this is why I love it so much. 
When Paul wrote the book of Philippians, Bible scholars tell us that, watch me, watch me, that one, he was in Rome, two, he was in prison, and three, he was awaiting a death sentence. Church history tells us that actually the death sentence that Paul would receive while he was writing the book of Philippians would end up leading to his beheading and his death. Now, here's what's so interesting. Despite the fact that Paul is in Rome, in prison, awaiting a death sentence, the book of Philippians contains more references to joy than any other book of the Bible. Any other book that Paul wrote, Philippians, more references to joy. So now listen, here's why I'm hitting this. If I'm looking at a guy who is in prison in Rome awaiting a death sentence who can't stop talking about how happy he is, then I want to learn from that guy. I want to learn. So, hey, let's do it. Let's learn from this guy, all right? So Philippians 4, pick up with me in in, uh, verse 4, and let's work our way through this, uh, this passage together. Here's what Paul says. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'm coming back to that. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your, and this word is so interesting to me, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Now pause before I read any farther. I'm coming back to this, but bookmark this in your mind. I think if you were to talk to a guy who is in prison awaiting a death sentence and he's happy, I think you might go, hey bro, you're being a little unreasonable. Paul's response is, nope, you're unreasonable. And I'm coming back to that. That's the most important thing in the passage. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's a promise. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, pure, lovely, commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, Think about these things, not all the crap you think about. Think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the peace of God will be with you. Now, can I start start here? Let me start with an observation. Did you you notice what Paul did not say? Um, Did you notice that Paul did not say anything about what's going on outside of you when it comes to eliminating anxiety in your life? So Paul didn't say, hey, here's the key to getting rid of anxiety in your life. You need to get out of this like high pace, high responsibility job, and you need to get into this low pace, low responsibility job. That's how you do it. Um, Paul didn't say, hey, here's what you got to do. Get out of these like high maintenance relationships with these stressful people and get into these maybe like these more low maintenance relationships. And that's how you get rid of anxiety. Now, some of you may need to do some of those things in your life, but... None of those have anything to do with the source of anxiety in your life. Now, listen, I'm I'm getting ready to zing you with like one of these little preacher sentences. And you're going to go, oh, that's a great little preacher sentence. It's actually really important. Now, listen, here's what Paul's pointing out. He's saying your anxiety has nothing to do with the things going on out there. It has everything to do with what's going on in here. Now, listen, here's my little phrase. Paul's saying your issue is not your enemies out here. Your issue is your inner me in here. That's the source of all of your anxiety. So, I mean, you guys know how uh, when you like pull up to, up to Jiffy Lube and they're like, hey man, we're going to give you the 27 point inspection. We're going to figure out where the problem's coming from. What Philippians 4 does is it gives us a, a four point inspection. It goes, hey, examine your soul and check these four things to help you figure out where the source of your anxiety is so that then you can lean into the Lord and a shift can begin to take place in your life. 
So let's do that. Okay, that, that's my whole sermon. <clears throat> Four-point check. Where is the source of the anxiety in my life? Now, you guys got to track with me. Because I'm a preacher, I'm used to three points. Okay, so I got four, so we got to roll. Okay, so let's do this thing together. Four-point check to identify the source of anxiety in your life. Number one, check. I'm going to put them on the screen. Number one, check your foundation. Probably the most important, check your foundation. Did you notice how Paul said this? What Paul said was, he said, listen, rejoice in the Lord always. Okay, rejoice in the Lord always. Now track this. Here's what he's saying. If the Lord is the source of my joy, I can always rejoice because the Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do you guys see that? If he's the source of my joy, I can always rejoice because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let me give you a little axiom for your life. Your joy and your peace are only as stable as what they are built upon. If you build, listen to me, if you build your happiness, if you build your security, if you build your identity in your life on the Lord, then what you're going to find is that on your feet, uh, under your feet, there is a solid rock. And that then you can, you can kind of relax. But if you try to build your joy, if you try to build your happiness, if you try to build your security, if you try to build your sense of self-worth on something other than the Lord, then what you're doing is, watch me, you're introducing an instability into the foundation of your soul so that now your soul can never relax. Okay? Now, uh, here's what I want to do. Um, what I, I, want, I wanted to give you a visual illustration of what this looks like. So, Brennan, can you help me out right here? Give Brennan a hand. Everybody give Brennan a hand right here. All right. Got a little prop going on. Here's what I got here, right? I hold in my hands a Simply Fit board. Does anybody have one of these? Anybody got a Simply Fit board? Nobody. Okay, I see that hand. We're going to count that as a salvation right over here. That's it, okay? Got a Simply Fit board. Okay, now, watch this. By the way, my whole goal is not to kill myself right now. I just don't want to injure myself. So here's how this works, okay? Isaiah 26, <clears throat> Isaiah 26 says, watch. It says, you will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord, listen, is the rock eternal. Okay, now watch. If my feet are on something solid like a rock, it's easy for me to relax because my feet are on something solid, okay? Now, let me, let me show you how this guy works, okay? Simply Fitboard. Okay, by the way, here's how this guy works. You just, like this, feel it in the obliques. Uh, okay, that's how it goes, okay? This is got a little level of fun with this guy. So here's how this works. How Simply Fitboard works is what it does is it introduces an instability into your foundation so that your muscles can never relax. Now listen, what happens when you try to build your peace or your joy or your identity on anything other than God? You're introducing an instability into the foundation of your soul so that your soul can never relax. Okay? The Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I can relax. Do you know what's not the same yesterday, today, and forever? The stock market. You know what's not the same yesterday, today, and forever? The behavior of your children. You know what's not the same yesterday, today, and forever? Your relationship with that guy that you're dating. Um, what's not the same yesterday, today, and forever? Um, your physical appearance, whatever it is that you try to make yourself, you know, you build yourself worth on. So, so watch how this works. Watch, okay? Now, I'm really trying not to injure myself. Now watch, okay? If, if I try to build my sense of security in my heart on the size of my 401k, then what's going to happen is my security can go up and down 200 points a day with the Dow Jones. You see that? And so my soul is always doing this. Um, if I try to build my sense of happiness or sense of peace on the behavior of my children, God help your soul. 
God help your soul. Because by 9 a.m., the raging little sinner inside of your children is out and they're ready. Or by the time they're 15 and they're dating somebody that you always prayed they would never date, well, then what's going to happen is because their behavior is constantly changing, your soul will be constantly shifting. You never, you never get to have peace. Um, if you try to build uh, your sense of uh, self-worth on your net worth, okay, well, then up and down all the time. Some of you, uh, let me do this one with you. Some of you, if you try to base your sense of security or happiness on the, your relationship with the guy that you're dating, then every time you text them, your soul does this number. Right, because like you text them and it's like, man, they didn't respond immediately. It's been seven, it's been seven minutes since they responded. There were bubbles. I saw the bubbles. The bubbles went away. What happened to the bubbles? You know, why didn't they like my Instagram post? And your soul is just always doing this thing all the time. Uh, listen, that's, listen, if you try and build your sense of self-worth on your physical appearance, and that's very easy to do, especially for young ladies. You know what's going to happen? When you're 18, you may feel kind of stable. When you're 38, <laughs> I'm almost there, guys little less stable. When you're 68, no offense to anyone in the room, little less stable. Guys, you've seen your grandma. Gravity wins. Gravity wins. And so what's going to happen is if that's where you try to base, if you build your foundation, the foundation of your happiness, your self-worth, your security on those things, your soul is always doing this. But man, what if, what if I step off those things and I plant my feet on a solid rock? Well, then man, all of a sudden, watch. Man, I can relax. So, listen, here's what this looks like. When that becomes you, you can wake up in the morning even though you're 56 or you're 66 and getting ready to retire. And you can notice that the stock market plummeted and your soul can say, hey, am I happy about it? No, but I'm okay because the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Whenever this happens, you can wake up in a season where your children are not doing okay and your soul can say, hey, I'm sad, but I'm not overthrown because God loves my children more than I love my children and I can't mess up my kids so much that Christ cannot redeem them. It's gonna be okay. You can, you can in a season of your life where the cancer diagnosis comes back and your soul can say, man, I'm sorrowful, but I'm always rejoicing because he is the great physician and I know that my Lord is gonna heal me. He's either going to heal me now or he's going to heal me when I close my eyes for the last time and I step into glory. So, man, I'm okay, guys. Let me just say it to you like this. Our health will fade and stock markets will fall, but the word of the Lord will stand forever. Check your foundation. Brennan, come help me out, man. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Brennan. Now, number two. Number two. This is not going to make any sense when I say it, so let me say it and then let me explain it. Check your line. Check your line. Did you guys notice in verse 9? What Paul said was, he said, watch this, he said, practice these things, and then the peace of God will be with you. So Paul's point is that our peace is related to our practice. Now, if that doesn't make any sense, and it, and it doesn't yet, let me, let me give you an example of this. <clears throat> um, so I live, uh, I live about one mile from the broadcast campus of my church in Nashville. And so every day, there are two intersections that I drive through every day. I've driven through both intersections hundreds of times. Um, no big deal. Uh, when I drive through them, I don't think about it. I have total peace driving through them. But imagine that one day I, I pull up to one of those intersections and I run a red light, just run right through it. Well, then think about this. In a place where previously I had always had peace, now for the next 30 seconds, I'm going to have fear. I'm going to be looking around going, man, are there blue lights again? You know, it's like, man, is it, is that I'm looking around with, with some paranoia. Now, did, did you notice that? Why? In a place where I used to have peace, now I have fear. Why? Because I broke a law. 
Now, now can, I, can I point something out to you? What the Bible says is, what the, the, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that God is a good God who wants to give good gifts to his children. And so what God has done is he's given us laws. Why? Not to keep us from getting something that would fulfill us, to keep us from doing something that would destroy us. That's why God gave us laws. So what the Bible teaches is that disobedience removes God's protection from our lives. Uh, let me just say this in a, in a real practical way, okay? If I'm not using and treating my money in the way that God has commanded me to use my money, I'm going to have some things i got to worry about. If I am not using and relating to my sexuality in the way that God has commanded me to use my sexuality, I'm going to have some things that i got to worry about. Can, 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 we, can we be real for a second here? Let, let's get, like, for real, for real. Let me, let, let me hit a spot that might be a little vulnerable for some of you guys. Uh, for instance... Uh, it's hard to have peace when you can't remember whether or not you erased your browsing history every time your wife picks up your computer. Hard, hard to have peace. It's hard to have peace when you have three Snapchats and the only one your parents know about is your decoy. It's hard to have peace. It's hard to have peace when you're sleeping with your boyfriend and you can't remember whether or not you took the birth control last month. Like, it's hard to have peace. And what the Bible teaches is that disobedience, it removes God's protection. Now, let, let me help you understand what is happening whenever we are willing to sin to try to grasp for something that we want. Can I, can I help you understand this? Um, in my Bible, I'm going to toss a verse of Scripture on the screen. You're going to notice that there's a line drawn in the middle of the verse, and it's not going to make sense. Here's why this point is entitled, Check Your Line. Okay? When I first became a Christian, uh, one of the first verses I memorized, it was Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It says, trust, listen. Go ahead and toss it on the screen. Let's go ahead and do that right now. So here's what it says. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And then in my Bible, what I did is I drew a line right after that. In all your ways, acknowledge him, line, and he will direct your paths. Now, here's why I drew a line right there. I needed to make really clear for my soul what's my job and what's God's job. There are some things that verse says are my job that I can actually control. And there is something in that verse that that verse says is not my job that I cannot control. Okay, let me, let me help you understand this. The Bible says there's three things that are my job in every season of my life. It's my job to trust in the Lord with all Josh's heart. It's my job to not lean on Josh Howerton's own understanding. And it's my job to acknowledge him in all of Josh Howerton's ways. Do you know it's not my job to direct my paths? I don't get to control the outcomes of my life. That's God's job. God's job is to direct my paths. Now listen, track with me. You will spend your life in an enormous amount of fear and anxiety and exhaustion if you spend your whole life trying to control things you cannot control. Guys, you cannot control, let, let me speak, if, for you business people in the room, let me speak in terms that I'm kind of wired that way, let me speak in some terms that you may resonate with. You can control inputs. You do not control outcomes. You can, here, here's your job. Your job is to trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean on in your understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him. Guess what God's job is? All the outcomes direct your paths. Okay? Now, uh, let me give, if, if this isn't resonating, let me give you an example of this from my own life. Um, it, the reason this sermon means so much to me is because uh, worry and anxiety are arguably the biggest sin um, in my life. I am a huge, a huge worrier. And uh, you, I'm going to be a little real with you guys for a second here. You, you wouldn't know it from watching me right now, um, but the source of the greatest anxiety in my life, it comes from preaching. 
It does. It terrifies me. Um, multiple times at my church in Nashville, and I love my church. Multiple times at my church, I've thrown up in my office and immediately walked downstairs to preach the 8 a.m. service. Um, every single week, in fact, I will do it today when I finish preaching the 6 o'clock service here. Every single week when I finish preaching my last sermon, I get in the car every week, and I pull out my phone, and I pull out my notes app, and I start taking notes for next week's sermon. Not because I'm studious, because I'm terrified. I just have this thing in me where for some reason I think someday a week is going to come where I don't have anything good to say. Um, I, have this, uh, I have this weird, uh, this weird little nightmare uh, in my head. And, and here's, here's the nightmare in my head. I think that someday I'm going to preach a sermon that's so bad that all 3,000 people at the bridge, are, they're not going to show up next week. And, uh, and the only person there is going to be my, my precious little wife, Jana, on the front row. And in the middle of my sermon, in my little nightmare in my head, she's playing with her phone. And, and I'm going to be like, hey, babe, what are you doing on your phone? She's going, man, I'm trying to pull up a Pastor Ryan Visconti sermon right now. You know, it's like, <laughs> like, you know and I, listen, I know, I know that doesn't make any sense at all. Um, but I, I, listen, I even have, um, last time I preached here, this happened to me. You didn't know it, but it did. Sometimes when I'm preaching, I'll start coughing just a little. <laughs> And what's happening is every now and then enough anxiety will rise up inside of me that my, uh, my throat closes off. And um, I feel like I'm either going to choke or vomit. And I have to do that <coughs> to force my throat to open so it's just so that I can breathe and, and keep trying to move on. Now listen, here's what I figured out is the reason that happens to me. It's because, listen, while I'm preaching, there's this voice inside my head that's asking this. It's going... Are they liking this? <laughs> you know? Do they hate this? <laughs> you know? It's like, um, yeah, are they going to leave? <laughs> uh, or I'll be asking, like, man, is this connecting with them? And is this going to connect with people and help grow the church and advance the kingdom? Um, or I'll have this paranoia in me where I'll just think, man, what if, what, maybe I didn't spend enough time in the sermon, and maybe if I'd put in that last hour at 11 p.m. on Saturday night, and I'd have rewritten that last point, then maybe I would have preached in such a way that helped somebody come to know God, and maybe because I didn't, that person won't come to know God, and now it's on me that I didn't do enough to help that person come into a relationship with Jesus, and all the anxiety just wells up within me. Now listen, I know that's totally irrational. It's not even biblical. I know that, okay? I totally know that, but here's what I figured out I got to do in, when that happens to me. What I gotta do in that moment is I've realized I gotta get alone in a room with my Bible. And I just gotta open it up. And in my soul, I have to scream, everybody shut up but Jesus. Everybody shut up but Jesus. And what I'm realizing, listen, what I'm realizing is, you guys realize, the reason I have so much anxiety in those moments is because I'm trying to control outcomes. Guys, listen, I know this while I'm preaching to you right now. I don't get to control whether or not you like this sermon. I don't get to control whether or not my sermon connects with my church and helps grow the kingdom. Here's what I do get to control. Josh, did you acknowledge God in all your preaching? If yes, chill out, bro. You just get to chill out because you did your job and then let God do his job. Now listen, that's how that works with me. You got to figure out how it works with whatever area of anxiety you have in your life. Don't spend your whole life trying to control things you cannot control. Check your line.
Okay? Check your line. Now, number three, number three, check your focus. Okay? Check your focus. Did you guys notice in verse eight? So Paul says, he goes here, if you want to know how to start eliminating worry in your life, he says, here's what you got to do. He says, think about these things. And then he lists them. He says, think, think about things that are true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise. He says, man, just think about those things. And that is how you begin to eradicate worry in your life. Now, let me show you what we tend to do. And uh, I'm, let me show you with a little visual example. Everybody do this. Hold up your index finger. Do it. Even if you hate when pastors do it, just do it right now. Boost my self-esteem. Just do it right now. Okay. Now, close one of your eyes. <clears throat> close one of your eyes. And then hold your index finger up over the eye that's still open really close and try to block me out. Do it at Awatuki too. Yes, too. Everybody try to block me out with your index finger right now. Okay. Now. You can put them down. Now, could you do it? You could do it, couldn't you? Now, let me ask you this question. Which one's bigger, your index finger or me? It's me, right? Now, here's my point. Track, 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 track. Listen, here's my point. A small thing held close to the eye can block out a large thing. Watch, watch. The problems in our life are not as big as the promises of God. But when we hold them up to the retina of our soul, a small thing starts to block out a huge thing. And now that's where anxiety begins to come from. If you are filling your mind, you are just, that's all you think about all day, every day, is all of the problems of your life instead of the promises of God. Well, guess what's going to happen? Anxiety. Because you're thinking on those things. Now, can I just, let me, get re, let me get a little real real quick. Can I get super practical? Here's how a lot of us do this. We do it with this death machine. That's how we do it. Okay, now I'm a, let me, I'm a metal here for a second, okay? So here's how this works. A lot of us, and this is me too, I struggle with this. For a lot of us, here's the first thing we do in the morning. We wake up, we roll over, and we get on, and we click the little Facebook app. And we get on, and we see that little red badge at the top with a number in it. And already anxiety is everywhere. We see that little number, we're like, one, only one, people hate me, you know, whatever it is. And we're like, anxiety. And then you start scrolling all through Facebook and you're comparing your boring life to their awesome life. And let me just key you in on what you're doing. Actually, you're comparing your behind the scenes to their highlight reel. That's what you're actually doing. Or you're scrolling through it and you see, oh man, six of my friends hung out without me. And that's all that you think about for the next four hours or the next four days. And you know what you're doing? Man, you're not thinking about what's honorable, pure, excellent, lovely, worthy of praise. You're filling your mind with something else. I'll give you another one. For some of you who are judging everyone that I just talked about, you may, you may be, maybe you're a little older, and you wake up, and you don't click on Facebook. You click on your news app or your news website. And let me, let me just say this, okay? If the first thing you do every day is read the news cycle, God help your soul. God help your soul if that's the first thing you read every day. Can I, can I just, listen, can I just tell you something? Do you know the, listen, the entire job, whether it's politically left or politically right, the entire job of a news entity is to get you not to think about what's honorable, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise. That's their entire job. Listen, their entire job is to get you to think on the worst case scenario, salacious gossip awful things that might happen if the other side remains in power. And if that's what you fill your mind with at the beginning of the day, listen, man, I'm not filling my mind with these things. Um, I'll give you another one. If you're like me, this is the last one, okay? If you're like me, 
I'm like a type A achiever, you know, that kind of guy. And so every day, my thing is, my temptation is I want to wake up and I want to look at all my little notifications. How many emails do I need to respond to? Uh, how many project management uh, reminders ca- came on today? Uh, how many text messages do I, need, do I need to get back to? Okay, now listen. Can I show you guys something? Camera, go ahead and let's get that, get that Zoom shot real quick. Can I show you guys something real quick, okay? Now let me show you something. Now, first of all, let me just say this. What I'm getting ready to show you is so good, I deserve applause when I'm done with this, okay? (laughs) This is so good. So here's, a lot of people don't know this. On the new iPhones, there is a feature that most people don't know about that if you use it, this is not a joke, I'm not joking at all. It has been statistically proven to reduce your anxiety by 50%. This one feature, and a lot of people don't know about it, the new iPhones have this feature. One feature that has been proven to reduce your anxiety level by by 50%. Now watch, okay? Here's what it is. iPhone 8 has this feature. There's a button on the right side of the iPhone. And if you hold it down for five seconds, you can just, boom. Wasn't that amazing? Wasn't that amazing? I just reduced my anxiety level by 50% right there. Now listen, listen, let me just say this to you. Some of you are praying for the peace of God, but he doesn't have any place to put it. Because every day, you are filling your mind not with things that are true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise on everything else. Guys, here's what you got to do. you got to build rhythms into your life so that you are focusing on the promises of God, not the problems of your day. And here's what you got to do. Let me show you what this looks like in my personal life, okay? Every day, this is what I do. I wake up, and listen, I'm smoking what I'm selling. I'm reading my Bible, right? I'm, I'm doing it. So every day, I'm waking up. I'm getting my Bible on my lap. I read my two chapters every single day. And listen, here's all I'm doing. I'm just looking for that one verse. What's that one verse that's a promise that can remind me of what's true and carry me through the rest of the day? And what you're gonna find out as you get into the Bible is that there is a promise for every circumstance that you ever walk through. Are you afraid of people? You need Psalm 27.1, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? Are you walking through money issues? You need Philippians 4.19. My God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Guys, there is even a verse for going to the dentist. Crown him with many crowns. It's, it's in there. Not really, man. That, that's, hey, listen, that's actually not a verse, but there is a verse that says, open wide your mouth and I will fill it. So, I mean, that, that's in there, okay? So, now listen. And now, listen. Here's what you're going to see. Listen, I don't get to control what I'm going through. I do get to... control what I focus on. Peter made it through the waves because he was focused on who he was walking to, not what he was walking through. And you get to make the choice. Am I going to focus on the mountain or the mountain mover? You get to make that choice. Check your focus. Okay. Now last one. And this is my favorite one. I, I hinted at this at the beginning. Check your reasonableness. Check your reasonableness. I pointed this out earlier. It's just interesting to me that a guy in prison awaiting a death sentence says, hey, man, here's the reason I'm so at peace, because I'm more reasonable than you, okay? Now, if that doesn't make sense to you, let me give you a visual example of what this looks like. Um, When I was in college, uh, I had a biology professor who, um, he he was uh, showing us pictures of giant sequoia trees out west. And if you guys have ever seen a giant sequoia, uh, let me just show you a picture. We got one right here. This is a giant sequoia. Right there, there we go. Uh, giant, they're enormous. Giant sequoia trees can grow up to 300 feet tall. Um, they can weigh up to 2.7 million pounds. 
And then let me show you this next picture. Go to that, go to that next one. Uh, the, the, these trees can grow to where the circumference of the trunk is over 100 feet. Uh, the circumference over 100 feet. Okay, so I want you to think about this. Somebody was in this class, and they just asked him, they said, Hey, Dr. Salazar, um, can a, a hurricane or a tornado knock over a giant sequoia tree? And he, he said, No. He said, No, high winds can't, but he said, Wet ground can. And he went on to explain that uh, giant sequoias are such that no, there is no amount of wind that will ever knock one over. But if, listen, if it rains long enough and the ground gets wet deep enough and, listen, and the soil gets soft low enough, well, in that scenario, then even a light breeze has been no, known to knock over a giant sequoia. Now, watch. Some of you, the role of anxiety in your life, it has become a giant sequoia. It is right in the middle of your soul, so much that you are even reverse engineering every life decision on that anxiety. Now watch, you've been spending your whole life pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing, trying to knock worry down. That's not how you get rid of worry. Do you know how you get rid of it? If you just soak your mind in the truth of God's word deep enough, and saturate yourself low enough, then the soil of your heart will get soft enough that then what you're gonna notice is that worry, it just seems to come right up by the roots. Okay, now watch. Let me, let me show you what this looks like in real life. Um, the thing about the Apostle Paul is that he was totally impossible to deal with. Um, if, if you were to say to Paul, hey, Paul, we're gonna throw you in prison, he'd say, okay, I'm gonna convert your guards. You say, hey, Paul, we're going to torture you. He goes, okay. Well, I, I do not consider that the sufferings of this present age are worth being compared to the glory that will be revealed in me. Okay. You say, hey, Paul, uh, we are, uh, we're going to let you live. Great. To live is Christ. You know, it's like whatever you say to Paul, it's like you could not get him off. Now, now, here's why. I think we might look at Paul and we might go, Paul, bro, you're in prison getting ready to die and you have no fear and you're happy. I think what we might say to Paul is we go, Paul, you're out of touch with reality. And what Paul would say is he'd say, nope, you are out of touch with reality because you've forgotten that the same God that was crucified for you controls your tomorrow. You see, you forgot that. Guys, do you understand the son of God was whipped to the point of having an exposed rib cage for you? The son of God had nails driven through the nerve endings in his wrists and in his ankles for you. The son of the living God choked to death on his own blood for you. And you don't think he's going to help you with your mortgage crisis? Guys, that's not reasonable. <laughs> he did all that for you, and you don't think that he's going to care for you in retirement? Guys, consider the birds, consider the lilies of the field. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father cares for them much more, much more. He did all that for you, and you don't think he's going to help you through this season with your wayward child? Guys, that's not reasonable. He was crucified for you, and you don't think he's going to give you strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow? Not reasonable. That's about what we need. Here's what we need. We need souls soaked in the crucified and risen Son of God. 
And when that happens, all of a sudden, worry, it just comes right up by the roots. So what I want to do right now is just have a time of ministry. And I want to ask the Holy Spirit to execute a shift in your heart right now as I pray for you. He said, by prayer and supplication. And the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So will you let me pray for you? And I want to ask the Holy Spirit to do a work in you right now that surpasses understanding. And Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this room right now. We know that the Spirit of God loves the Word of God, and the Word of God has been preached. And so we invite you here. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come and that you would do what I cannot do, that you would preach inside of the chests of men and women. And God, I pray that no matter what problem they're walking through, whether it's a, it's a 401k, a wayward child, a lost job, I pray that you would remind them of the outstretched, pierced hands of Jesus. And that you would remind them that those hands, those pierced hands, hold tomorrow. Father, I pray that right now that you would, even as I pray, that you would be ministering a peace that surpasses all understanding, that we would cast our minds to Calvary and that we would remember and that we would think on these things, that God is my ever-present help in time of need, that he is the rock whose works are perfect, all his ways are just, a faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is he. Father, would you please minister that into the crevices of our soul that are filled with unbelief. And I pray that right now, even in this service, that we might rise different than we sat down and that we would walk forward in the confidence that can only come from having a living God who controls today and steers tomorrow. And so Father, we entrust ourselves to you with joy and hope and we rise to praise ourselves into that position. Father, we love you. We pray in the name of your crucified risen son on our behalf. Amen and amen. Generation Church, let's stand. Let's stand. Let's praise him. Right now, lift your voices with me as we sing.